0: Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. This is your host Tamantivana
1: and this is Kathy Thakur and both of us love reading
0: books. On this podcast, we bring our favorite books to you and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today we are discussing Unfinished by Priyanka Chopra. Unfinished is a collection of personal essays, stories, and observations that chronicles important moments in Priyanka Chopra's life and her 20 year long career, such as working as an actress, producer, and UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador.
1: We are super excited to discuss this and we hope our discussion reaches Priyanka Chopra. I know, (laughs) hopefully someday. Yeah. The memoir starts with her upbringing and how she accidentally entered into the Miss India pageant because of her brother and her mom since they sent the application without telling her.
0: You know, I found this anecdote so cool. Her brother wanted her out of the house so he filled that application for her.
1: I know, right? I found that so amazing too. Like, Your brother does something out of sheer innocence that leads you to become such a super successful person. Like who doesn't want that?
0: Yeah. And I think that just changed the trajectory of her life right there.
1: I know, man. I wish my brother would do that. Would have done that.
0: I feel like our brothers probably didn't think we would qualify
1: as (laughs) Miss India contestants. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) But you know, speaking of pageants, it made me realize that to even enter into the Miss India pageant or any beauty pageant, the required height is five seven. Like why? Is it just a random filtering criteria or is it some standard of beauty that five feet seven inches is the height that deems someone more worthy of a beauty crown? And you know, this is this made me feel so demotivating. Like as a five feet one inch individual, it's just disheartening to see that. It was never even an option for me. You know, what if like I wanted to become a beauty queen? I couldn't even do that. I know.
0: I actually never thought of it this way. But now that you say it, I can see how disheartening it actually can be to feel left out based on a physical attribute that you can do nothing about. But I had my own set of feelings when India was winning all these beauty pageants. I remember it was Ashwarya Rai, Sushmita Sen. Priyanka Chopra, we also had Mara Dutta, we had Yukta Mukhi, especially Yukta Mukhi was an influence for me because she was 5'11 and I remember I wanted to be that tall. I remember that I used to say that I want to be as tall as her. Aunties around me were always like, no, you need to stop growing because otherwise we won't find a guy for you.
1: Oh, that's interesting because are aunties around me were like, please grow a little taller so we can find a suitable guy for you. What irony.
0: we are never good enough that's the bottom
1: line (laughs) that's true yeah
0: since we're talking about pageantry though i actually really hate the idea of it i feel like it's just a form of objectification and they're just just setting standards of beauty unrealistic standards of beauty for us all it does is tell the people who don't fit the idea that they are not good enough
1: yeah that's true But you know, there are all of these like public speaking rounds and all of these questions that you have to answer. So I guess they just legitimize (laughs) legitimize this whole pageant that is based around beauty and looks. That's how they package
0: it, for sure. That's how they package it. But then you see this, is it called swimsuit round or is it called bikini round or whatever it is called? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's a constant tradition, whether it's in India or anywhere the pageants are happening. It's a constant tradition. And you are basically reducing a person to their looks. Good looks, which if you think about it is very subjective. Like good looks could mean differently to different people. But these pageants are creating these cookie cutter images. Like these are supposed to be your dimensions. I remember there used to be this 36, 24, 36 kind of a thing. I don't know how. Oh, yeah. They definitely are putting us in these boxes based on height, weight, color, hair, and it's so harmful. We are whole human beings. We have thoughts. We have opinions. We have feelings. We have our own personality and individuality. And our differences, our variations, don't make us ugly. Don't make us lesser than anyone. Yet, this is the toxic culture that we live in. Especially in our 20s and teens and maybe even after we are just either succumbing to this ideology of what we should be looking like or we are just fighting
1: against it there's no other way i mean you know that's the whole idea of beauty pageants like beauty pageants are based around consumerism they're just like selling they're actually just selling what the society wants right it's a reflection of what society finds appetizing or i don't know good looking So (laughs) who's to blame
0: consumerism (laughs) will take me into a whole different discussion. (laughs) Right. But I did like Priyanka's account of pageantry on the whole. Like she also talks about all the training they had to do and all the different rounds. And I kept thinking like how much high pressure situation this would be. Like I put myself in this position and I think I struggle so much with public speaking. Like if you put me on spot. I would either freeze or I will just say something so wrong that later at night, I'll be up being embarrassed about it. So I admired her strength a lot. And I kept thinking over and over, like, how much confidence would you need in yourself to actually get through all of this?
1: Yeah, that's so true. You know, I was also thinking the same thing, like when she was doing this beauty pageant thing, I think she was 17 or 19, I guess. Not even an actual adult, still a teen. She has also mentioned that, you know, because she was, her schooling was done in the US. That is why she she took part in all of these debate competitions and uh, public speaking contests in, in her school in the US, in her middle school, I guess. That's why she got the confidence to speak in public during these beauty pageants rounds. So I guess in a way, you know, all of those things were trying to train her for what was to come after. But I also think that, you know, Somewhere it was also because of her upbringing, like all of that confidence that she got. She mentions that her mom has been very strong right from the beginning, like unlike how we have seen our moms during you know <laughs> that time in India. I mean, her mom was a doctor. She got her pilot license at one point and whatnot. And I was thinking, like, is this a trend? Every successful person's memoir that I have read always says that their moms have been extraordinary and always be ahead of the times or, you know, not afraid to challenge the norms of the society. Like I read Trevor Noah's memoir that said the same thing, Michelle Obama, Arlen Hamilton, Cheryl Strayed. And even, you know, you remember some of the letters that we read in that book, What I Know Now, Letters to My Younger Self. And now Priyanka Chopra, like it would seem like strong moms create successful children, period.
0: You're right. I do believe that it's probably the biggest predictor of how successful or resilient someone can grow to be. And by success, I don't mean necessarily it's financial or in business, just being a successful human being, someone who is successful by their own definition, someone who's secure or satisfied, or someone who loves their life and all the things that come with life at the very core of success. That's what I mean. I also feel like it's maybe not so much about the extraordinary example that moms or parents set, but more about the sense of safety and acceptance that they are offering their kids by not punishing them, by not pushing them to be the kids they wanted, not pushing them to be fitting in society's standards or expectations, but actually encouraging them to be the best versions of themselves.
1: Yeah, that's actually very true. You know, I mean, I guess moms can either be someone who is always discouraging you for not following the society, or they can be, you know, on your side and say that, okay, so you're doing it right. Uh, Don't listen to the society, right? And I think that makes a difference for sure. But also, you know, did you notice like the way she describes her parents' marriage and their relationship with each other? That I feel like that wasn't a normal marriage. In our parents' time, especially. I know that definitely didn't sound right
0: to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like these are not Indian parents. Something is wrong.
1: <laughs> I know. Like, I don't know any couple of our parents' generation who would support each other's career goals or, you know, flirt with each other, like she has said. Or, you know, didn't yell in front of their kids. Like, what world is she talking about, man?
0: Well, now that you say it, I feel like my grandparents were probably closer to that than than my parents or any uncles or aunts I have. I think my grandparents enjoy each other's company and travel together. For grandparents' generation, I can't speak to like career and all because that concept didn't exist. Yeah. But I do feel they were a much better example for me in my life as compared to like parents' generation.
1: I have actually never seen a marriage like that in like my aunts, my parents, my uncles, like no one has a marriage like that, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have grand like, I mean, I just had a grandmother, not my grandfather. So I can't say about that. But yeah. And you know, I also what i also find very unusual is that her mom actually listened to her when she said that she would like to go to the US. Her parents like discussed it with her and, you know, took it actually seriously that this is my daughter's wish, this is what she wants to do. So I'll probably give her an opportunity to try out what she wishes to do. Whereas for most girls, it's never the case, I think. Yeah,
0: and I think her parents did that always because I also remember she mentions that when she was very young, she demanded her name to be put on her house like how her parents name was there she said her name should also be there because she's part of family and instead of ridiculing her as like what is this weird demand from a young child because I see that would happen if I asked my parents they would probably be like oh ignore just ignore her this is just noise (laughs) (laughs) but they actually did that so imagine the confidence that would give you as a young child that yes I can state my demands I can state my wishes and they will be taken seriously.
1: Right. Yeah. And that
0: was a theme throughout her book. Whenever she talked about her parents, you would see that. And even the US example you talked about, I love the way her mom did it. Like her mom had her own interest in sending her to US. But she never presented it as something her parents want Priyanka to do. They gave her an option to test it, how US feels to her. The whole dynamic was full of freedom and choice, not something your parents are asking you to do or demanding you to do or like setting rules for you.
1: Yeah, if you take our case, I feel like I had to convince my parents even when I was 25 years old to send me to US to do my master's. Like it was a it was sort of like a sales pitch, you know, like... (laughs) (laughs) like what what i would do when i go to us why i want to do that and what i am hoping to uh, <laughs> hoping to get out of so it so you had to write like two <laughs> statements of purpose
0: <laughs> yes yeah i remember i also brought it up with my parents when i was probably 19 or 20 i think and it went exactly how i said it would go if i asked my parents to put my name on the house <laughs> yeah this <laughs> it's is just a noise like noise <laughs> Nobody brought the conversation up again. <laughs> but coming back to Priyanka's story, you remember that part where uh, she's staying in the US with one of her Masis. And she's probably 14, 15 at that point, And she has a boyfriend. Because it's one of the rules set by Masi to not have any boyfriends. There's all this sneaking around, which is fun to read about. One day she hides the boyfriend in the closet and Masi finds out. And then she calls her mom telling on her, And her mom's reaction is, why did you have to get caught? And I was like, is this real? Is this mom real? (laughs) Like this is a 14-year-old daughter of Indian parents. And I don't think my mom would ever respond in an accepting way, even if I was like 50 years old.
1: Of course. Like, I don't think I can even tell my mom now how many boyfriends I have had in my life. (laughs) Like (laughs) Now that I'm married, I don't think I can have that conversation with my mom ever. Maybe we would not be like that, you know, like maybe we would be like her, like Priyanka Chopra's mom with our kids. Oh,
0: I wish people of our generation would be like that. Let's hope for that. Yeah.
1: Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters
0: with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit
1: your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. So, you know, when she has described her upbringing, she has also described this incident that happened when she was really young. When a mom found an abandoned infant girl outside near her car and her mom explains to Priyanka that the baby was abandoned just because she was a girl. We have discussed gender discrimination before on our podcast, but we have left out so many parts of it. Like, you know, how it manifests itself in so many ways in an Indian girl's life. You know, like when a girl is born, people give you condolences rather than celebratory remarks. Like, you know, never mind. Better luck next time. Like that. So, have you heard these things being said to your parents, something that your parents told you about when you were born?
0: So, personal story I have a younger sister. We are two sisters. You can imagine probably how much we pricked everyone's eyes like a pair of thorns. Yeah. And I have two stories to share actually. One is that because we were two sisters, every year on our birthday, one of my aunts would make a point. To tell us that this year you are getting the gift and we can't give both of you gifts because this is terrible. Two of you. And I used to think, like, what is this? You could have given both of us like tiny gifts, and that would have been fine, or no gifts, yeah. but making a show of this thing every year that oh, there's two of you. There's like extra of you. So that that was like I felt like unnecessarily mean every year around our birthdays, that cherry on the top.
1: That's terrible. <laughs> Like what kind of a sadist person would do that? Indian aunties.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uncles are no less because my next story is about an uncle. (laughs) So we had this uncle in our family who visited after my sister was born to offer condolences. I remember his words exactly till date. He said something to the effect of, oh no, you have got another stone in your lap to my dad. So like oh, man. both me and my sister are stones. Only a boy could be a baby, I guess. We are stones. <laughs> so I don't know what, what that means or how their brain works. But I'm not kidding when I tell you that at four year old, my heart turned like stone cold towards that person. Even when that person died after like a decade or so, part of me was like happy in a way. Not happy, but like as if I was avenged. In some way, because I was like, yeah, you, you deserve this. You you deserve to die for saying those things. I have no feeling for you.
1: Yeah, actually, that's like just super sad, you know, that people can think like that and can say such mean things to someone. I know. They don't think
0: they are being mean. That's the probably the sadder part of this.
1: Yeah, right. And, you know, like, I have also heard these things being said about, Me, like my dad told me that one of his friends told him when I was born that why are you distributing sweets? It's a girl, it's no reason to celebrate. And you know, I always think that we are probably the most privileged people in India because we are 1% of those girls who got to live our wishes. Absolutely. Even we have these stories to tell. So I wonder like What are the stories of other girls who are not so privileged? How would their upbringing or their day-to-day life be in India?
0: I know there's so many ways in which this society keeps reminding you that you are a daughter. You are not what was desired. We are just putting up with you. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's sad that even in our generation, it's still happening. Like I know a guy from college who had a daughter a few years ago. And there's another guy from my college. Think of him as our age, similar education, similar background. He called this new father and said something to the effect of what you said,
1: Cathy, earlier. Like, it's okay.
0: Maybe next time.
1: Oh, my God. Wow. So our generation has also not changed completely. Yeah. That sucks. Who will change them? What will bring the change?
0: I think more and more people have to come out and be vocal about these things. Like the people who say that I'm a feminist, people who think that, people who think I'm a feminist, people who think I don't mind if I have a daughter, which itself is a sad thought, first of all, that you don't mind having a daughter. But those are the people who need to actually come out and start engaging with others who mind having daughters, then people who are actually really good people who celebrate women need to come out and show it more because your internal thoughts are not doing anything.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And you know, that's exactly what Priyanka Chopra has also written in her memoir, that this instance that she witnessed when she was young, how it changed her perspective on the world, on how the world sees girls and women it also made her realize how privileged she was. And, you know, she thought that once she was in a position to do something about it, she will take steps to empower girls or women who don't feel empowered, who, don't, who are not that privileged. And this is exactly what she's doing. So that's yeah, amazing.
0: More of us have to do that until it becomes the norm. We have right. to break the old norms and create new ones. Then only we can expect change to happen we can't just keep complaining that oh our society does this or doesn't do this when we ourselves are not doing much right now let's also talk about her movie career which is how most of us know her from her Bollywood or Hollywood journey when I picked the book I thought there was gonna be a lot of Bollywood in there like a lot of Bollywood tea actually And sadly, I was a little disappointed. Like Priyanka, where is the gossip?
1: I know, right? I actually picked up the book because I was expecting some accounts of casting couch or annoying actors and all of that. But so disappointed. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yes, positivity and all of that is great. But we want gossip. (laughs) Are we terrible people?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to answer that. I'll move on. (laughs) But seriously, I actually did like the way she shared her story how she focused more on positive things, her journey, her confidence, her learning spirit, and wasn't too petty there. Because even though part of us being Indian audience expected some of it, I think it's a good thing that it wasn't in there.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I love the entire positive tone in her story. It actually left me with very positive emotions. And also, you know, she was an outsider in an industry that's ruled by nepotism. There have been so many suicides of all the actors who couldn't deal with it. So it's definitely amazing to see a woman rising up to her level like she did. But even at the beginning of her career, the choices she made to refuse the roles that she didn't agree with because directors didn't respect her. I feel like those decisions make the person that you become eventually. And yes, at that time, it's so difficult to stand up for yourself. But if you do stand up for yourself at that time, it definitely defines your character. And that's why I think she has reached where she is today.
0: Yeah. And I repeatedly felt throughout her memoir that her family's support played such a pivotal role. Like if you see, they accepted her journey. They accepted her I mean, they encouraged her to go into beauty pageant. Then they accepted her choice of going into Bollywood industry. She wasn't ever put in a position where she had to choose between family and career. She wasn't one of those who had to like run away from home and then make do with whatever comes her way. So she had this big safety net to fall back on. If it didn't work in Bollywood, she could just do anything else because family was with her. They would help her. They would take care of her. Even when she was in industry, when she had some issues with some directors, she could say no. She could recoup the damages, the financial damages some of her decisions caused her because she had family backing. She didn't have to put up with ridiculous demands of changing how she looks or doing something she didn't want to do because her father, her mother, both of them played a role as her managers, her secretary, or like all those things, helping her make those decisions. So I think they, in a way, protected her from all the worst things that could have happened.
1: Yeah, they supported her career all through. And that was actually really great to read. Very refreshing.
0: Yeah. And And, they also even gave up their own careers in a way. Yeah, right. Like a big chunk of time so that she can be successful.
1: And, you know, it also made me realize that no success is overnight success. Like it might seem to us that, you know, one day her face just appeared everywhere in the U.S. But no one really counts the amount of hard work, patience and hustle that goes behind the scenes. It's difficult to have it all. And that's why only very few people in the world can actually achieve the kind of success that she has. And she talked about it in the memoir as well. All the things that she had to do. And you know what? I watched Coffee with Karan once and she and Karina Kapoor were there on the show and Karina Kapoor was actually sort of, I don't want to say bullying her, but like sort of, you know, demeaning her for working so hard. She was saying something like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't even want to, you know, travel, travel to the US all the time and be there and stuff like that. Like, that's what Karina Kapoor was saying. So she was sort of like demeaning her. But then I was thinking... I mean, of course you can't do that because, and that is why you're not as successful as this, (laughs) as Priyanka Chopra. Like, look at her, where she is and where you are.
0: (laughs) And you know, it's totally okay for you to want different things. Yeah. That's totally okay. But I hate it when it becomes like this cat fight. Right. For you to feel good about your success, you don't have to put other people down. And my definition of success could be, that I have earned the freedom in my life to sit back and read all the books I want to. But right. if I start judging other people who are hustling hard and they want to make their businesses work, that's not right. Yeah. We yeah. be able to be successful on our terms. There's no one definition.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's okay if you don't want to do that. But if someone has already achieved something, then you can't demean them, right? Like, don't demean their hard work or hustle or success right? I know
0: sadly that's how humans act like just to make yeah. themselves feel better they have to like shit on someone else like you can feel good about yourself period it can end yeah. it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so now let's talk about brownie points I think I would give one brownie point to the book because I have to admit that I wanted to read this book to get some inside scoop on actors directors and casting couch <laughs> which I definitely didn't get Instead, what I got to read was a story of a girl next door who had big dreams and a family who supported her in her ambitions. And that felt so good, especially for a girl from a small town in India. It's a super refreshing memoir and something that we need more of. We need more brown girls telling their stories. Yes, definitely.
0: I'll also give this book a brownie point for the repeating theme of having confidence in yourself and that go-getter spirit. If I were to summarize her story with two words, the words would be grit and confidence. Yeah. And I actually want to give this brownie point to her parents instead, because they fostered an environment for her to be her own person.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And the third brownie point is to the monkey who slapped Priyanka Chopra because that <laughs> incident and the fact that she included it, I loved it. That was my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> now, before ending this episode, let's also share what else we are reading, Khyati.
1: Okay, so I'm reading two books right now. One is A Promise, Line by Barack Obama, which is surprisingly never ending. I'm still <laughs> <know>. at
0: 30%. <laughs> I'm at 89%.
1: Oh, wow. That's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also reading this. Uh, I've just started reading it actually. It's a non fiction book called Rework. So it's about, you know, if you want to start a business, what tools to use to set up your side hustle and how to create a like minded community around you. It's actually pretty great. Interesting. Very interesting. So what are you reading right now?
0: I'm reading The Palace of Illusions
1: oh, by yeah. Chitra
0: Devakaruni. And you suggested it, so thank you, because I think I'm hooked. I, I had to that. force myself to put that book down, because I was like, okay, time to sleep. You <laughs> can't just keep reading, and you have to shop for work. <laughs> but I also read um, this Secret Keeper of Jaipur by Elka Joshi. So oh, I, yeah. I think I won this uh, in Goodreads giveaway. So it's the book is not out yet, but it's the advanced reader oh, wow. copy. But really, lives up. It really lives up. Because usually I'm skeptical of sequels. But Mm -hmm. this is Malik's story and, you know, it's really good to read.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I'm waiting for it.
0: Yeah, you should definitely read it. I think it's a great book and you'll enjoy it. So that's all for today. And for our next episode, we are going to discuss The Palace of Illusions by Chitra Devakaruni Panerjee. Until then, keep listening.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a 5-star rating and a comment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash browngirlsread slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod and browngirlsread1 on Twitter. If you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on our social media. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube for more content.